It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Faster my crazy day, my pack commute, all those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash get more. You are Locked On Titans, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Titans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And welcome to Locked On Titans, your daily source for all Titans news and information with your co-host Terry McCormick of TitanInsider.com, Greg Arias, and former Tennessee Titans All-Pro left tackle Brad Hopkins. Guys, it's Friday, the final Friday for Locked On Titans in the regular season as Sunday will mark the end of 2017, or 2016 rather, excuse me, uh, for the Tennessee Titans, Brad Terry, and obviously uh, a lot of things to cover today with the final game coming up and uh, our predictions to be made a little bit later, but let's jump right into the current news where, guys, not a lot surrounding the Titans this Friday, so we thought we would uh, take a look at a couple of divisions where there are still some playoff implications and things to be decided, and guys, the NFC North and the AFC West would be those two divisions. Brad, your thoughts on kind of who and uh, what might come out of those two races as far as uh, teams making the playoffs? Well, we've talked a lot about the Dallas Cowboys guys all season because they've been playing exceptionally well with a couple of youngsters that we didn't see coming. But when you look at the incumbents, the Green Bay Packers, a team that with Jordy Nelson and and Aaron Rodgers playing at their full strength are almost an unbeatable team. So they haven't had the the services of of Heaney and Randall Cobb simultaneously along with Eddie Lacy to run the football, creating balance. But what they have done over the past couple of weeks is shown you that that electric combination of Rodgers and Nelson is one to be reckoned with. So, you know, as this thing shapes up – and. you know, looking at Matthew Stafford and, and the Detroit Lions, Terry, this is a team that actually kind of surprised some people to themselves, and they're playing a lot better down the stretch. So it's not going to be a kickoff for the Packers, but the Packers are playing like they're, you know, an NFC champion. Yeah, I think the Lions have surprised a lot of people this year, especially with losing Calvin Johnson to retirement. But as strange as that sounds, it may have made them a better team because I think Matthew Stafford was guilty many times of trying to force the ball to Calvin Johnson, even when he was covered. And now that he's just going through his progressions, going through his reads, you're seeing him spread the ball around, and guys like Golden Tate and Anquan Bolden are stepping up and making lots of catches. And the Lions are a team that they're dangerous. You know, I mean, they don't have a great defense, but uh, they are a dangerous team offensively just because of what they can do through the pass game. And, Brad, something you said brought a thought to mind. You talked about the Packers and missing Eddie Lacy in the running game. Their coach, Mike McCarthy, is a pretty good head coach considering, and this is just a personal opinion here, but he took a wide receiver, a kid that had not played running back, a talented athlete, sticks him in the backfield at running back, and they're getting enough of a running game out of this to be able to somewhat balance it out. Now, certainly it's not the same, but that's a pretty good move, and maybe Mike McCarthy doesn't get enough credit for the things he's done there in Green Bay because the expectations are so high among Packer fans, they think they should win the championship every year. 
Yeah, and I will say, though, durability is an issue, though, when you're talking about a receiver-slash-running-back type that obviously just doesn't have the bone density like, like an Eddie Lacy does to kind of be a, a between-the-tackles kind of ground-and-pound back. You know what I mean? Now, he is diverse. He does have good hands, obviously, because he's a receiver. But you're talking about, you know, being involved on a, you know, play-at-the-play basis, you know, more than just, you know, a third-down back. There's where some issues can kind of can sometimes be created, but you know, I will say that Mike McCarthy, obviously having a connection with that offense and understanding exactly the situations that are best for that team, you know, him and having Jordy Nelson back into the fold with with an already as an accomplished quarterback and Aaron Rodgers, that's that's been the obvious difference in my, in my opinion, Terry. Yeah, and to me, you know, one thing that also that stood out from the Packers of late is they seem to have fixed the defense. I don't know if it's just guys getting healthy or if they have, uh, you know, the scheme just a little bit, but their defense has been playing a lot better football than the team that we saw come in here to Nashville about six weeks ago. Moving on over to the AFC West, guys, there's still some things to be decided there. Of course, the Raiders were uh, the favorite in that thing, but with the injury to Derek Carr, he suffered a broken fibula on the same day, just about 30 minutes uh, or so, maybe an hour later than Marcus Mariota did, and he's had to have surgery as well. That division is a little bit up in the air, and certainly the uh, playoff hopes for the Raiders, even if they, and, and they're in the playoffs, but even if they uh, get in and, and have an opportunity, guys, depends a lot on uh, a backup quarterback. Yeah, Matt oh, McGloin is a guy that, uh, you know, he got some first-string work early in his career, I think his rookie season, when the Raiders were not a very good football team. And, you know, he's a guy that I think can throw the ball around a little bit. You're not completely limited. Obviously, he's not Derek Carr, but you're not completely limited with Matt McGloin back there. That said, you know, the Raiders are going to face the Denver Broncos on Sunday. The Broncos are like the Titans. They have nothing left to play for but some pride in trying to get the 9-7. and seven. But uh, I think they would probably like to uh, take it to the Oakland Raiders if they could, although that would hand the division title to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I think when you look at the Raiders, you know, this, in my mind, this was the team that probably had the best chance of knocking off the New England Patriots in the postseason had Derek Carr not got injured. But now, you know, if they don't win this week, then they're going to go in as a wild card. And, uh, you know, it's going to be very, very tough on them going forward. Yeah, that, that's the situation there in the West. Unlike the North, where they're basically uh, head-to-head for the championship of that division, you know, these two teams have something to play for, meaning Oakland and Kansas City. And Denver can play the role just like Jacksonville a couple of weeks ago, you know, playing the role of the spoiler. And I think that when you look at, you know, the Oakland Raiders with minus Derek Carr, Mike McLaurin is a guy that has gotten them to the playoffs the last time that they were a playoff contending team. But they're going up against a, a pretty good Denver defense, which obviously with nothing to play for would rather just go out on a good note showing how talented they are you know, being disruptive and knocking the uh, Raiders out of the playoffs. That would probably be their goal, fellas. So does the Derek Carr injury, guys, make this a fairly easy trot through the AFC for the Patriots? Well, that's a good question. I still think that the Pittsburgh Steelers on their best day can play with the Patriots, and I think the Kansas City Chiefs on their best day can play with the Patriots. The question is, are you going to get the Patriots' best day? And if you do get the Patriots' best day, then it's going to be hard for either of those teams to go into Foxborough and pull out a win. Well, I think just looking at the matchups, obviously New England's going to get a first-round bye, which means they're probably going to be playing the winner of, of uh, Pittsburgh or Houston, 
one of the, or excuse me, one of the one of the teams coming out of the West. Now, if it's Kansas City, I like New England's chance. I, excuse me, I like um, Kansas City's chances to at least give them a game because Travis Kelsey has been a beast. Tyree Hill is a definite mismatch, you know, problem with his speed and getting the ball in his hands. And Alex Smith is a lot better quarterback on the road and in pressure situations than most people would would believe. So I just think that if the Chiefs were actually the team to visit New England first, you know, after if they if they get out of this, you know, the first wild card round, then they're the team that, in my opinion, can put up the most fight against the Patriots. But it's not going to be a cakewalk by any stretch because remember, Miami's a team that's getting in too, um, that has a two hundred yard back consistently this year. And their defense, we know what their defense is like with a lead. So it's not going to be any cakewalk by any stretch for the New England Patriots, I think. Well, let me ask you this, too. Miami and New England play each other on Sunday. We know the Patriots have a history of, uh, you know, not laying down and just blowing off games that are meaningless uh, to them in terms of seeding and standing. Doesn't mean a whole lot to the Dolphins either since they're in the playoffs. I guess it could mean the difference and being a five seed or being a six seed. If you're the Miami Dolphins, knowing you might face the Patriots again, do you tip your hands? Do you show them very much on Sunday, Brad, or do you just play the game as vanilla as possible and wait for your real, the real chance? I mean, we are going to be bored watching that game. I think that the starters start. I think that they come out early. I think that you kind of see a vanilla game plan because, first off, in the playoffs, this will have been the third time that these teams will get to see each other. You know, so how much reinvention is there going to be as far as the game plan? There's really not. You're going to study tendencies like you always do in a divisional matchup, but there's got to be new wrinkles that are thrown into the mix. And why would you break out those new wrinkles in a game that's really insignificant like the final regular season game between these two? So, like you said, I think it's a good assessment, Terry, that you basically see a lot of youngsters probably late in the ball game, and also, you know, a game plan that's really not going to tell you much as far as what they're going to do against the Miami Dolphins. Well, one thing's for sure, guys, certainly the playoffs in both conferences, the AFC and the NFC, have some interesting things uh, to unfold in those, and uh, we'll certainly be interested to watch that going forward. But uh, as we prepare for Sunday in the final season, regular season game for the Titans and final game of the season, of course, with no playoffs, we thought we would take a look and call it holiday happenings, guys, and look at the Titans uh, a little bit, a preview of next year, and Terry, there are three guys on this Titans roster that are eligible for free agency. Damian Stafford, Carl Klug, and Kendall Wright. They're the, really the only guys that have an opportunity to walk away from the team kind of on their own terms, so to speak. Obviously, there could be some other uh, changes, some other uh, moves made, some guys that won't be returning, but those are the only three, really, uh, that hold their own future, so to speak. Well, there are a lot of free agents on the roster. Those three are the most significant ones in my mind. You know, there's Valentino Blake, there's Matt Castle, there's Brian Schwinkie. They're guys who, you know, the Titans could re-sign them, but if they don't, you know, I think they'll be able to find a suitable replacement for them on the roster because they're not full-time starters. But the three guys that you mentioned, Greg, Kendall Wright obviously, you know, had a reduced role this year due to injury and due to uh, some other things that were going on. Carl Klug, who's now out with the Achilles injury, but has been a solid, solid role player for this team. And Damian Stafford, a guy who kind of graduated from being just a special teams guy to being a part of the safety rotation. I think those are the three most significant guys that are heading into free agency. And in my mind, the way I would rank them in terms of their possibility of returning to the Titans, I see Carl Klug as number one, first of all, because he's injured right now. The Titans know him better than anyone. They're going to be patient with him and allow him to heal and I think he'll be definitely be back here. 
Damian Stafford, I would say maybe a little better than 50-50 that he's here. I think the Titans like him. I think he fits a lot of what they want to do. And also, I think, uh, you know, there is still the possibility that maybe, you know, somebody else comes along and offers him a bigger role than what he has here with the Titans. The other guy, Kendall Wright, I think Kendall's already got one foot out the door. I think he's looking for a bigger role somewhere else, somewhere where he can maybe get back to being that 70, 80, 90 catch guy that he was here uh, in his second season, uh, you know, and in his first couple of years where he was very productive. I think he's probably going to look for a system and an offense that better suits his game. I don't look for him to be back, and I look for the Titans to be shopping for a wide receiver or two, either in free agency in the draft. You know, not to kind of pinhole what you're saying, Terry, but I think that when you look at transitioning for Kendall Wright, it might not be, you know, just an easy situation for him, which is probably one of the reasons why when he missed so much time because of injury at the beginning of the season, we didn't see him just come in and click on all cylinders, you know. And it took some adjusting. I think that that's probably one of the things that kind of has him feeling like he's an outsider. The fact that, you know, they bring in Rashad Matthews out of Miami, and you know, he's a fifth-year guy, the same year as Kendall Wright. He's having a pretty good season trying to make a connection with Marcus Mariota. And Marcus has got some young targets that he's starting to develop, too, and Tajay Sharp, and obviously still loves throwing to Delaney Walker, as most would. But, you know, you've got Trey McBride, who's an aging guy. Douglas, w, uh, Harry Douglas is an aging guy. Mark Mariani, you know, being honest, I really haven't seen much from him that kind of, you know, gives me any kind of indication that he can be in the fold as far as the rotation. But McBride's a young guy. Uh, Sharp's a young guy. Rashard Matthews is a relatively young guy. Kendall would be a relatively young guy. Obviously, it's a first runner for 2012. I think that he should stick around. And I think that, you know, maybe at the beginning of the season where he can get into the rotation early and be a part of what they're trying to do rather than coming off of IR and, and trying to get into the mix would be better for him because this team is growing. This team could actually use the services of veteran receivers like him um, and I think it would almost be better for him to just stick around and, and continue to develop in this game plan rather than go off and try and learn someplace else, you know, from the grass and from the bottom up, trying to work your way back into a rotation. Certainly a lot of interesting things on the horizon for the Titans and things that we will uh, have to watch over the offseason. Uh, I agree, and both of you make great points. I, I too, kind of like Terry said, think that Kendall uh, had certainly checked out on this team uh, last year, and uh, so I guess we'll have to see what's going to happen, obviously, with that, but uh, certainly there will be some new blood. I think the Titans will add some receivers, either in free agency or the draft, and uh, who knows what this roster will look like as a whole next year, but certainly uh, anticipation, I guess, is a good way to look at what's going to happen for this team coming up in the future. Guys, it's time to get into this week and the Houston Texans. And obviously the Texans have nothing to play for in the sense that they have their playoff spot locked up. They are the AFC uh, South champions. They know where they're going. They can, of course, obviously get one game better in the overall record. But as we talked about, guys, in the uh, preview of the AFC West and NFC North, uh, will there be an opportunity that the Texans might decide to rest some guys in this game? And, of course, what's the motivation going to be like for the Titans? We know that uh, they have an opportunity, certainly, to get to 9-7. and seven. It would be a huge thing, and I think that's the thing that the coaches are looking at, guys. But Brad, in your opinion, who's got the advantage in this thing as far as being motivated? Well, I mean, put it this way. I think that the way that Mike Malarkey has this team focused and believing in themselves, for them to go out and do what they did last weekend against the Jacksonville Jaguars would almost be preposterous in my opinion. 
finishing strong makes his team feel better going into the offseason, and they've got some things to work with as far as being a contender and maybe even winning this division. Now, when you look at Houston, Houston, in my opinion, is limping into the playoffs. As a matter of fact, they're probably the most vulnerable team going into the playoffs because of, you know, questionable quarterback play and, you know, kind of an inconsistent defense. Lamar Miller's probably been the only bright spot for them, at least giving them some balance. But Tom Savage, in my opinion, is not a quarterback that's just going to run through the uh, the conference and get you into a, a, a Super Bowl, in my opinion. So I think that they're probably a first weekend exit. Um, but at least them going in there and giving the impression that they could actually battle is probably something that they're going to do. They're not going to, in my opinion, put guys out there that they know are need to be in the infirmary and, and are trying to get themselves you know healthier. But I think that this team is still going to scrap and claw um, and just not give you know the, the, the game away itself. But they do have to at least come in there for their proverbial lives, come out of this with a good note, and a loss would be just the counter of that. Yeah, I agree with that, Brad. I think the number one objective for the Houston Texans in this ball game is to come out of it healthy. You know, there's talk that they won't play Lamar Miller on Sunday. There's talk they won't play Jadavion Clowney. You know, mm-hmm. the worst thing that could happen for them would be to get a key player, to get a Brian Cushing or a a uh, DeAndre Hopkins dinged up and not be able to play in the wild card round. I think uh, when you uh, look at uh, you know the situation that they're in. You know, the Texans are probably the long, like you said, the longest of the long shot in the playoffs. The only other team that might come close would be if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers somehow snuck in over in the NFC. But uh, to my way of thinking, you know, the Texans' motivation, get out of here and, and get out of here healthy. And if you win the game, that's a bonus. Now, as far as the motivation for the Titans in this game, I think that, I think there's some. And yes, it's a consolation prize, no matter which way you cut it. But it's but I think if you're the Titans, your motivation is to win this game, get to nine and seven, and in your mind, you're tied with you know you're tied with the Texans in the standings. You split with them during the season. The only thing you're not getting is getting to go to the playoffs because you couldn't beat the Indianapolis Colts or you couldn't sweep the Jacksonville Jaguars. So there's something to play for for the Titans, just for the peace of mind of knowing that they are on equal footing with the team that won the division. Now. It's hard to analyze this game and look at and break it down because there are the unknowns of what the Texans are going to do, uh, and obviously the unknowns of the Titans. If Marcus Mariota is in this game, if they lose to Jacksonville as they did, he doesn't get injured, he plays. I think that the Titans would have a definite inv- advantage in my mind going into this game because, uh, again, the unknowns of Houston. But with Brad Castle, guys, we really don't know what the Titans are going to be able to do offensively with this guy because he's certainly a different type of player. Granted, he's a veteran, but he doesn't have the mobility that Marcus does, and obviously they're going to have to change a few things in the game plan offensively this week, Brad. Yeah, we're just used to seeing you know a diverse offense where they've been trying to kind of bring Mariota into the ground attack you know nominally, but obviously we're not pretending anything by any stretch when Matt Castle is basically under center, but. What he is is a more accomplished quarterback as far as going through progression and you know, delivering the proper ball. So I think that in one respect, you, you're right. There are some deficiencies that when you look at how this offense has been productive this year, it kind of it, it goes against that. But when you look at Matt Castle, his his success in the league at some point, um, him being experienced, understanding what the playoffs look like, et cetera, et cetera. You know, he's a guy that I think can actually land this thing, you know, admirably and, and, and play well on Sunday against the Texans. 
Yeah, you know, I think you're you're right in that. I think when you look at, you know, Castle and over his career, he's been a guy who's been kind of up and down. I think, uh, you know, the Titans are hoping he's going to be up in this ball game. You know, they're not going to do the same things that they did with Marcus, but uh, I think when you talk about, you know, what Castle brings to the table, he's a guy who's going to manage the game, and he's probably going to be a guy that's going to rely heavily on his running game. I look for DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry to see a lot of action on Sunday. Okay, guys, it's time to figure out who and why in our predictions for who's going to win the game on Sunday when the Texans visit LP or excuse me visit uh, Nissan Stadium to uh, close out the regular season. Terry, take this one first and tell us who and why because I know Brad's got something special in in his prediction this week. All right, uh, yeah, it's really tricky as to you know which team is going to be more motivated in a game that really, for all intents and purposes, doesn't mean a whole lot. Uh, I think the Texans, more so than the Titans, will treat this like a preseason finale since uh, it doesn't uh, affect their playoff standing and they want to be as rested as possible going into the postseason. And uh, I think but uh, in terms of that, I think you'll see them, you know, they'll still try to win the game, but I think you know, you'll see some backups in there. You'll see some guys in there that don't normally see a lot of action simply for the fact they want to get out of here healthy. The Titans, I think, they're going to be hampered because of the fact that they don't have Marcus Mariota in their center. And I, but I do think there, there's a certain sense of motivation that they have in this ballgame. And I think that, that uh, when you talk about that, you know, and what, you know, and the Titans wanting to end the season on a good note, wanting to show people that they're, that they're vastly improved despite what happened uh, in Jacksonville last week. I think the Titans go out. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I'll take the Titans 14-13. to 13. Brad? Yeah, you know, I, I think that, you know, when, when you look at the, the, the professional football league, basically, which is what this is, every team has talent. The difference is which team is going to not have the focus necessary to beat the other team. So that's why every single weekend I pick the Tennessee Titans. You know why? Because every single weekend, regardless of what their record, if this team shows up with the right focus, they can beat any team in the NFL. So there's no guarantees. In some years, the, the, the focus is better. Some years, there's more to play for. Some years, you play more, you might play more confidently. But when you look at, say, even the Cleveland Browns, who hadn't won a game until last weekend against the Chargers, which, which are a relatively good team, you look at Philip Rivers and company. But every dog has its day, fellas, in the NFL, because the talent pool is, is so rich on all levels. Everybody has scholarship players. Everyone was an All-American or captain of their football team when they are in college. So when you look at the matchups on Sunday, if you like your team, go ahead and pick them, because there's probably a 50-50 chance at least that they can win, because this is the NFL. That's a great point, Brad. And your prediction for Sunday, the Titans win by? You know what? The Titans win by two touchdowns because um, we're not going to see the Houston Texans put up much of a fight. They're thinking about greener pastures, and they can look at it that way, too. They can say, hey, look, we've got more to play for than you do, Tennessee, so we're not going to be swinging for the fences like you might be in this ballgame. You know, it, it's not a pride sense or, or, or any sort of ethical issue that they're dealing with there in uh, Houston because they know that right now they're limping into the playoffs as it is. So I don't really expect them to put up much of a fight. Um, but for the, for the Tennessee Titans, can they show the, the, the same kind of focus that they had for the four-week stretch that they were winning ball games? Obviously, the, the difference in 
them stopping turning over the football after the first quarter of the season, if they can get back to that form, you know, this is a team that can, can, can finish and finish convincingly by at least two touchdowns. Well, I went back and forth. Uh, all week I've thought about this and who's going to be the most motivated and, and why, and I got stuck that motivation in this game has to be with the Titans for three reasons, I think. One, the fact that they are riding this losing streak to both the Colts and the Texans. At some point, that's got to change. Uh, The odds say that eventually it's going to change. And the Texans, as you guys have, have said and explained so well in your predictions, don't have a lot to play for in this. Yes, they can win another ball game. They can go into the playoffs on a bit of a winning streak, but they're still uh, a team with issues, the most issues probably of anybody in the playoffs. And certainly I would think the odds makers would say they are the long shot in the AFC, even with Oakland having their uh, quarterback situation. So with not a lot to play with, play for, the Titans obviously have wanting to – break the streak in their favor. They want to get that win to keep pace with the Texans so they can say, hey, and Dick LeBeau said it yesterday that, you know, we we didn't go to the playoffs, but we had the same record as the division champion. So they've got that in their favor. Mm-hmm. They also want to play for Marcus Mariota. That guy is their leader, I think, unquestioned at this point in time. I know uh, pretty much to a man they were all upset and disappointed with his injury, and I think they're going to go out and give their best effort for him, and they've got nothing to lose. They can go out and play four quarters of the hardest football that they've ever played in their life, and if they have an injury, they have the offseason to rehab. Now, I'm certainly not wanting anyone to be injured, but that's the mentality that I think they can approach this game with is, hey, you know, if I get hurt today, I've got the offseason to heal because there is no next week. Let's get this win. Let's actually have a winning season, 9-7, and seven, not 8-8, eight and eight, which is a great improvement, but 9-7 and seven sounds a whole lot better going in. Let's play for all those things. I'm taking the Titans, guys. I'm going to take them 21-14, to 14, the final score in this one for me. That will do it for us on this Friday edition. We hope you've enjoyed it. Enjoy the games on Sunday. Enjoy the holiday weekend. Happy New Year to everyone listening. Guys, any New Year's thoughts for the listeners? Be safe. How do you like it? Be safe. Have a good time. (laughs) And, you know, be ready to go in 2017. (laughs) I'm going to take it a step further than that, Terry. 2017. I mean, it should be a blessing for a lot of people because 2016, realistically, it sucked for a lot of people. So I think when you look at just being able to peel back the layers and come out with a refreshed attitude, I think that that's what the Tennessee Titans are going to take into 2017, and that's what our listeners should take into 2017, you know, putting to bed 2016 and looking forward to the promise that a new year will bring. There's a lot of promise for this team because of the talent that it has. There's a lot of promise for this team because of the inroads that it's made in its first year with Mike Malarkey as a head coach. And there's a lot of promise for you out there to have some fun as long as you're safe and are responsible to be able to get home and enjoy your family and friends. So from Locked on Titans, go out and do it big, You know, be responsible, and we'll see you next year. Sounds great. That'll do it for us. We'll be back with you on Monday when we'll wrap up the Titans-Texans in the 2016 Titans season. You are Locked On Titans, your daily Tennessee Titans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? 
Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite NBA team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.